This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. So have you ever been in a place in your life where you just seem to be a little stagnant? Or maybe you're just stuck. Maybe there are circumstances that uh, you're facing that present a challenge to you and you're contemplating thinking, well, how, how do I confront this? Or maybe there are relationships uh, that you're working through and there's some relational issues. Or, or maybe there's just some things personally that you've identified in your own life that you want to work on or uh, that you're wanting God uh, to work on or challenges that you, you want to live into, growth that you're pursuing, and yet it just seems as if you can't get over the hump. Can anybody identify with that? No one here can do that? Well, I know, I know that I can. Uh, and I know that it's times like that that I wish that somebody could just give me the answer. Just tell me what to do. Uh, tell me what I need to do. Uh, tell me uh, what needs to change. Not with other people, of course, but with me. Uh, how can I move beyond this place uh, where, where I am? And I remember I was in a place like that. I uh, was in seminary and was serving as a youth pastor at a church. And, and at that time, a lot of my um, pursuit spiritually was about acquiring knowledge about the Bible. Uh, answers to theological questions. Uh, it was very kind of academic and very heady. Okay, um, Had a lot of answers in my head, but was having a difficult time making the transition from head to heart. And I remember there was a colleague at the church where I served, and uh, he was a real gifted gifted Bible teacher, someone I consider to be a, a serious companion of Jesus. And I went to him, and his name was Roger. I said, Roger, I'm in this place, and, uh, you know, I, I have the answers up here, but it just seems like I'm having a difficult time applying them in my life, and there's some places where I just want to grow. There's some things I want to see change, and, and I, I'm just wanting... Someone to help me to supply just that little bit of oomph that I need to get me over the hump. And in particular, I'm just wanting maybe an older man in the church um, to mentor me, uh, to walk alongside of me. Someone that can just help me with some of these issues I'm facing. And uh, we had a church at that time where there were several uh, older men, godly men. Uh, kind of patriarchs of the church, and, and, and they were available, and they were great guys. Uh, it was a church well, with, with men like, like Ralph, you know, uh, just have walked with Jesus and have a heart for God, and they were so encouraging to me. But I remember Roger said to me something I'll never forget. He said, Todd, have you ever considered this, that what God wants to teach you He wants to teach you Himself. That what you need to learn 
or what you're longing for in, in terms of making the transfer from head knowledge to heart knowledge to application in your life, that, that God Himself wants to be your mentor. I kind of looked at, at Raj like, what? He said, you see, Todd, there are some things that God wants to do in your life that only He can do. And there are some things that we look for other people to provide for us that God Himself wants to provide. Have you ever considered that? And have you considered the fact that your, your sense of isolation or loneliness and not having sufficient people around you to guide you really is an opportunity for you to, to live into your relationship with Christ? And, and I remember that was a really significant aha moment for me. And what I became to realize is that I was pretty good at having the right answers. Had a lot of Bible knowledge, and that's a good thing. We need to be students of Scripture. Bible knowledge is important. In the Covenant Church, we celebrate the centrality of the Word of God. Uh, that's a part of what it means to have a life-transforming walk with Jesus. We celebrate heartfelt worship. And yet, for me, at that place in my life, my walk was dry because it was really heady. But it was absent of that real sense of relationship and, and being able to apply in the heart the things that I knew about Scripture. Okay? And in that, that time... I really began to, to change how I approached the Word of God. As you can imagine, you know, being in seminary and, and, and you know, studying the Scripture and the technicalities of Scripture and biblical languages and, and all those kinds of things, right? The history of the Bible, archaeology, uh, theological things. But the transition became when I began to see Scripture as an opportunity to sit with God and allow Him to teach me things of the heart, just not things of the head. Can any of you relate to that? And what I found was, rather than looking at Bible reading as an academic exercise, one in which my primary motivation was to find the right answers, okay? I began to encounter God in a new and a fresh way, in a relational way. It was as if I was sitting down at my, my kitchen table and, and the Lord was there guiding and talking and relating. And not only that, I, I began to find that the, the people in the Bible, those that are there for us to learn from, that they became real to me. They became alive to me. And, and rather than reading about them, the shift that took place is I entered into their experiences and began to, to see it as an opportunity to take a journey with David or with Moses or with Ruth or with Esther or with Paul or with John or you can name whoever that biblical character or person might be. And so as I think about that, and I think about entering a new year, 2016, I think about how important it is that, 
that we as a congregation engage the Word of God, not just with our heads, but with our hearts. And that perhaps for some of us, a valuable exercise would be to begin to look at Scripture in a fresh way. In a way that we can learn and God can teach us directly through those that He's placed in the Bible to serve as examples to us. Is that making sense? And so, when I first came across this book called The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero, I, I thought it was something my friend Roger could have written. You see? This book was published uh, in the, I don't know, in the early 2000s. I had the conversation with Roger back in 1985. Okay? But what Wayne Cordero does in this book is he encourages us to grow in our faith as we sit at the feet of our Savior Jesus. Not only as we sit at the feet of our Savior Jesus, but as He introduces us to people in Scripture that become our mentors. Men and women, um, good and bad, that we can learn from. That we can take their lives and what we learn from their lives and apply to our lives. And, And that really is the emphasis of this book. And so what I've chosen to do as we as a church are moving into the new year is to encourage us as a congregation to engage the divine mentor and the mentors that he has for us in Scripture. And one of the ways we're going to do that is through a book study of this very book, The Divine Mentor by Wayne Cordero. Now, we have home groups here in the church, and the home groups will be going through this book together. And I would encourage all of you, if you don't have a copy of this book, to pick a copy of it up. Because for the next ten weeks, between now and Easter, uh, we're going to be going through this book. And I'm going to be highlighting the major themes and emphases of the different chapters in the book. And so to get the most out of this, it'd be great if you're not in a home group to consider signing up and getting involved in a home group. Or... If you're not able to, but you want to follow along the sermon series, to go ahead and to buy a copy of this book. So you can read each week and get a sense of where we're going and the things that I'm going to highlight. But my desire for myself and for us as a congregation is that 2016 would be a year in which we have a new and fresh encounter with the Word of God. An encounter that would be life-changing. An encounter in which... Not only with our heads, but with our hearts. We would sit at the feet of our Savior. And we would learn and grow from Him. You know, another thing that we're going to find in this book is that uh, He gives us some really practical steps towards engaging Scripture and encountering these mentors that are in God's Word. And as we read and as we grow and as we learn as we sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from the mentors He has from us in Scripture, He also encourages us to encounter Scripture in such a way that, that we make observations about what we're reading and that, that we are intentional about asking and seeking the Lord to give us personal application for our lives. Sound good? And then finally, 
that we take that observation and that application and then we pray. We pray about it. We use the Scripture. We use the observations we make. We use the applications that the Lord reveals to us. And then we commit them to prayer. And, and He encourages that as well. And what He does is He has what's called a life journal. Now, you're all familiar with journaling, but what He does through this book is He encourages us to enter into something called SOAP. Uh, SOAP is Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And it's a way of reading Scripture, observing what it says, applying it for our lives, and then praying into that. And uh, in this, He gives guidance on how to do that. There's an opportunity uh, for us to be able to do that. So I would really encourage you to also get a copy of this. They're available out at the table. And if those are gone because there's a limited number, then you can go online and you can, you can, get, you can get one of these online. Or we can order more of these. But really to get the most out of where we're headed for these next uh, several weeks, I encourage your involvement and your participation. Okay? Sound good? It's good stuff, I'm telling you. You know, um, I did this at my former church. And it was amazing the transformation that took place in people's lives in which the Scripture became very personal in a, in, in a very dynamic way. And uh, this book is an invitation to engage, but a challenge to allow the Lord to transform your life. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with Jesus. doesn't matter where you are in your Bible knowledge. As we'll see as we go through this book, when we encounter God with our minds and our hearts, when we engage those that He has placed in Scripture for us to learn from, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what challenges you're facing, I'm telling you, this will change your life. There's only one other time I think I've ever said that to somebody in such a direct way. It's with a kid named Johnny James that was in our youth group. And he was a handful, Johnny was. All right, well, what teenage boy isn't? <clears throat> Amen. All right. And uh, Johnny wanted to go on an Easter vacation mission trip to Mexicali, Mexico with the youth group. But he was having problems with his grades. And so, what does Johnny do? Johnny has a friend of his from high school call his mother and say, uh, this is so-and-so from Pasadena High School. And I'm just calling to let you know how well your son Johnny is doing. How he's improved his grades, right? And, uh, of course, for a fleeting moment, his mother was uh, just, wow, Johnny, I'm so proud of you. Yes, you can go on this trip to Mexicali, Mexico. And uh, it was probably a day or two after the phone call that the need for improvement letters came in the mail. <laughs> so I remember having a phone call with Johnny's dad. And uh, 
I remember him saying he absolutely cannot go to youth group. He absolutely cannot go on the Mexicali mission trip. Absolutely not. My son's a liar. And his punishment is he's not allowed to participate in youth activities at church. And I listened for a while. I said, let me ask you a question, sir. I said, if Johnny is having a, an issue with being obedient and, and listening to you and his mother, and, and if he has a problem with lying, and, and yes, it was a pretty bad thing he did, why would you keep him from something that could be a positive influence in his life? Because, you know, at church we talk about how important it is to allow Jesus to transform your life. And how when Jesus gets into your life, things change. You respond to your parents differently. You, you, uh, you want to change how you relate to your friends at school. You, you, you take on a, uh, goals and, and, and you see life differently in a way that maybe you approach school differently. Why would you want to keep him from something that could exert good influence and, and address some of those issues? He says, oh, I'm just telling you, he wants to go and I don't want him to. And then I said this to him. I don't, you know, some of those things that the words leave your mouth, you go, oh, 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 right? Where did that come from? And this is what I said. I said, sir, if you allow Johnny to go to Mexicali, I guarantee you that he will come back a changed young man. And it's like, what did I just say? Right? Um, but you know what happened? Johnny came back from Mexicali. A transformed young man. And if you were to talk to him, and I'm Facebook friends with him, watching him now raise his family. <laughs> a man of God walking with the Lord. Right? If you were to talk with him, he would look back at that experience, and he would say, that was a transformational experience in my life uh, in his relationship. And so I'm going to be so bold as I was with Johnny's dad to tell each of you. How can I say this? Because the Word of God says so. The Word of God says that what it has to offer you is life transforming. It says that. So I can stand on the authority of God's Word. That's what it means to believe in the centrality of the Word of God. And I can promise every one of you that if you engage in what we're going to be teaching these next several weeks through this book and through this life prayer journal, or you create one similar for yourself to use, I can guarantee you that it will be life transforming. As you encounter Jesus and the people that He has placed in Scripture for us to learn from in a new and a fresh way. As you connect not only with your heads, but with your hearts. As you open your life to what my friend Roger encouraged me to do so long ago. Todd, he said there are some things that God just wants to teach you Himself. Are you willing to learn from Him? Okay? Proverbs 4.23 says this. 
above all else. That means this is important. Okay? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your hearts for everything you do flows from it. Jesus said it another way in the Gospels. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? Now, in his book, in the introduction, Wayne Cordero says this. He says, several years ago, in Yosemite Valley, Yosemite National Park, uh, an event happened that left those in the park uh, those in the Forest Department, the National Park System, they were just baffled. And, and here's what happened. One of the 240-foot-high sequoia trees that had, had been there for centuries, suddenly, and without explanation, toppled. There was no high wind that brought it down. There was not a lightning strike. There really was no observable explanation for why that tree would fall. And so the park system, the forestry department, began a study. What caused this to happen? And what they found was this. That there were so many visitors in the park and so many people came to experience the the majesty, the majestic nature of the tree, that it was the foot traffic around the tree that actually weakened its root systems. In other words, the hundreds and thousands of visitors to the park that would walk in the proximity and around the tree and look at the tree, the foot traffic, the impact of the people walking on the surface weakened the root system beneath. And what uh, Wayne Cordero says is, What makes you or I think that our hearts and our lives are any differently? There's a lot of foot traffic in our lives, isn't there? Home, work, relationships, family, all kinds of things. Not to mention just the times in which we live in, the the cultural and, and societal challenges and the impact of things going on in the world around us. All of those things are foot traffic. And unless we come up with a solution to how to protect our root system, what do you think will happen to us? Well, the same thing that happened to that majestic sequoia tree that we too will be weakened by all of it and that we'll topple. And you see, that's the point of the passage. Listen to what he says here. He says that encouragement is God's native tongue. But encouragement without change is like a bicycle with only one pedal. Our participation is required. Now, listen to this. Encouragement turns to hope when His instructions find our ready acceptance and application. Okay? 
And so, a lot of us are saying, this sounds good, Todd. I understand I need to guard the root system of my heart. Because what the park system did is they created an enclosure. They fenced off the area within the root system of the tree to protect that root system. And, and what they did is all the remaining trees that were old like that, they built these enclosures. And what Wayne Cordero is encouraging us to do in his book is that we need to have sacred enclosures. We need to guard our hearts. Be deliberate about that. And you know that sounds good. God, His native tongue is encouragement. But encouragement turns to hope when His instructions find our ready acceptance and application. Okay? Are you ready to accept and apply the things of God's Word? Are you ready to begin this journey together with me and with others in the church? In a life-transforming walk with Jesus as we learn together from the mentors He's placed in the Word of God. Romans 15.4 says this, For everything that was written in the past, everything, everything that was written in the past, speaking of Scripture, was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Okay? We might have hope. Some of the most hopeful people I know. And that hope isn't dependent upon their circumstances. But some of the most hopeful people I know are people who engage Scripture with their heart and their mind. That it is in a relational experience where they sit at the feet of their Savior and they learn from Him. That brings hope. 1 Timothy 4, 7-8 through 8 says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself up to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. I saw an advertisement recently uh, and it was an advertisement to help prevent young athletes from taking anabolic steroids. Now, when I was playing sports uh, in the 70s, um, there was a lot of pressure on young athletes to be stronger and faster. And those that were good, uh, that wanted to get high school scholar or college scholarships, they were looking for anything they could to get an edge. And there were some of my teammates at different levels where I played sports that would um, use anabolic steroids. And this public service announcement I recently saw showed a picture of somebody uh, that was young and vibrant and muscular and strong and looked like a dynamic athlete. And then juxtaposed to it was a picture of a person who uh, was just emaciated and sick and dying. And it was the same person. And what had happened was, the things that they were engaging in and the stories they were taking made them for the moment feel good about themselves, made them look good, enhance their performance, but it was that very thing that killed them. 
Okay? In other words, don't do that. And really for us, as we, we think about this verse in 1 Timothy, there are a lot of things we can engage in. There are a lot of ways that, that we can engage culture, society. There are a lot of things that, that are held out that offer us life. That we seek that can fulfill us or, or meet that need in our life or provide the answers we're looking for. But those things, in the end, are like cotton candy. There's lots of flavor, but there's little substance, and in the end, they dissolve. Because most of those things are temporal. Okay? They're temporal. But what Paul is encouraging Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7-8 through 8 is that we need to pursue those things that help us be godly. Not only that whole promise for the present, but for the life to come. And again, the emphasis in the divine mentor is on those things. You're all familiar with the story of Martha and Mary. Jesus was coming to town and to visit their home. And Martha was engrossed in making preparations for the dinner to host Jesus. And as Jesus came near and came to the home... Her sister Mary was doing what? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, was Martha doing a good thing? Yes, absolutely. Did someone need to make preparations? Yes, absolutely. But she was so engrossed in, in preparing and, and doing things ostensibly for Jesus that she was missing an opportunity to do what? To sit at His feet. And to learn from him, things that were not just important in the here and now, but things that had eternal value. And in Luke ten, forty one through forty two, when Martha comes to Jesus to say, Look at my sister Mary. Look at her. I'm doing all this work and she's just sitting there with you, Jesus. You know, kind of say something to her. And Jesus responds in a in a way that we would not expect. Rather than saying, Mary, get up and help your sister. Kind of that parental way, right? He doesn't do that. What does he say? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Now, I I want you to stop for a minute. And I want you to, to put your own name there. By the way, in the Scripture, in the Hebrew in particular... If I had a, a really good relationship with someone, let's say Brian Hagee. And, 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 and Brian and I, we, you know, we knew each other. We hung out together. Our relationship was tight. If I wanted to address him about something of importance, I would say, Brian, Brian. Okay? Brian, Brian. Don't you know how important it is to celebrate your anniversary with your wife in Hawaii? Brian, Brian, right? Okay. So Jesus is doing that. He's saying, Martha, Martha. That implies like an intimate, close relationship. Martha, Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Only, indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now listen. 
There's a lot of things you can invest your life in. There's a lot of opportunities that each of us has in life. We have limited time. We have limited availability. We have limited energy, physical and emotional. And those of us who are older adults, we really understand that, don't we? Okay? So the question is, what are you going to invest yourself in in 2016? Where are you going to seek answers for the challenges of your life? Where is your encouragement going to come from? Listen to what Wayne Cordero says. And it's his challenge for you and for me. If you will develop a daily self-feeding program from the Bible and allow yourself to daily, hourly be mentored by God's Holy Spirit, your life will undergo an unprecedented change for the better. How many of you are ready for your lives to undergo an unprecedented change for the better? I am! Okay? Good is the enemy of great. Do you know that? Don't settle for good. If things are good, wonderful. But don't settle. Good's the enemy of great. If we together these next ten weeks learn how to encounter the divine mentor and the mentors that He has for us in His Word, the Bible, we will experience unprecedented change for the better. Wherever you are, whatever is going on, you will experience unprecedented change to the better. For the glory of God. Amen? So worship team comes up, let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Son, Jesus, who loves us, who walks with us, and who makes available to us in Scripture men and women who who want to teach us, who want to help us learn and grow. And Father, I pray that all of us that are here this morning as we approach 2016, that our hearts would be inclined to You, that we would encounter Your Word in fresh and new ways. That we would take seriously the opportunity that is being presented before us. And that whether it be individually, collectively as a congregation on Sunday morning, in our home groups, Lord, that we would join this journey to encounter You in fresh and new ways. And Father, as we do that, we anticipate and we thank You ahead of time that our lives will change in an unprecedented way for the better. Father, even if it's good, Lord, we desire for it to be great. Would You help bring that about in our lives? We thank You for it. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.